All right, so I saw the story, and I feel like I have to just like kind of start this whole thing up with this. So a couple in Virginia, right? Imagine this. You go and you shop for a house, and it's like October. Golfing season's like kind of like on the like down low. Not everyone's like golfing. You find your dream home. You fall in love with the freaking place. You buy it. The next summer, golf balls are hitting your house, breaking your windows, busting up siding. This couple bought a bought a house, unbeknownst to them, was located right next to a golf course. First of all, how dumb are you to not know that there's a golf course next to your house in your backyard? Second, they sued the golf course and somehow won for damages because they like for like three years they like raised their two daughters in this house and like like they were they were like, oh, we, we, we couldn't go outside and barbecue and sit in our backyard. Cause like they were like right on, on like a par five, and everyone's tr- everyone's trying to reach it in two, and they're, they're just spraying three woods thirty yards across the course and just hitting their hitting their backyard. They the photo on the on the it was like it wasn't the Associated Press. It was like a smaller like paper. Literally just showed the two of them with a, with like a depressed face in their backyard with a with a Tupperware of like of a golf ball, like a giant like silicone tub. Would they just, look like American Gothic? <laughs> The, the best way that they they I, the best way I could describe them was they look like the um like the couple from the uh, like that painting with the pitchfork. Yeah, the American Gothic. Oh, all right, then yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I'm no uh, Van Gogh, I'm no uh, Mona Lisa Vito, but <laughs> now painting. I would have if I were them, I would have also sued the realtor because if the realtor didn't like when they're showing this house, like, well, hold on. why Please. would you not like? disclose that information based on the photo though you can clearly see there's a green in their backyard behind the fence like very clearly you could see it so like, like there's there's a green then there's a fence no, no, and right, then so, the house so like like the way the photo described was like was like the the top part of the deck is like 20 feet up and then and then, then it's like a staircase going down okay so up up on that like ledge you can clearly see over the wood fence that there is a green yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, there's a green, then there's the fence, and then it's the house. Probably, uh, yeah, like, like 20, 30 yards off. So the fence, like, kind of, like, separates. Yeah. But, like, two. also, like, like golf course, like, regulations, and actually I Googled it, in the area do require that, that the green to the house, like, the property line must be 30 feet off. So, really, realistically, the golf course is actually in, they're in standards. So, like, they, like, like they meet requirements. But they won because apparently it's, like, emotional damages that they, like, weren't able to fully it's live nice their life. Ball. So like now I'm thinking, do I do I buy a, a house on a golf course to sue the place? Only in Virginia. <laughs> Only Virginia. Hey, <laughs> Virginia's for lovers. Don't forget. Yes. That. And not golf courses. <laughs> or or actually no, it's for lovers, but not lovers of golf courses. Valid. So that's yeah, wild. just f- what funny a loophole. Story. funny story I thought 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 that was just uh over the top ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous is that uh that somehow, for some godforsaken reason, I guess the Greg Norman like documentary was like so good on, on ESPN that like all of a sudden like seventy people were like, "Hey, let's join this LIV golf league. Let's go to London for a golf event." Well, we're we're going to get into all that. Get in the hole! Again, the whole podcast brought to you by our good friends 
Tomahawk shades, Beanyo boards, you name it. They're all over the place. And of course, uh, Kenwood beer, which we're going to shop them out later. We had a lot of picks for arguably the worst field in golf history. Stephen McAvoy here joining me, KB and Max Shriver joining the desk one more time. He'll be on more often than not. Follow Max. What's your uh, Twitter handle for the, for the follows? It is uh, Max Shriver 13. Yes, sir. He's, he's on Twitter at Max Shriver 13. And of course, our boy KB on Twitter at KBizzle. What's the number? KBIZZL311. Shout out AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> that was your AOL name? That was my AIM screen name back in the day, and it transferred to my being my Twitter handle. So, no, hold on, KB. Were you old enough for like MySpace? Like, was that like your? Era? I was, but I wasn't allowed to have one. <sighs> Margie didn't like, let it happen. I was mid 2000s like 2007 i got a facebook <laughs> i'm pretty sure i oh god I, I had to have been like eight something like that probably like 2009 i think it was probably i got a facebook right. strictly to play farmville and fishville yes oh, yeah. fishville i never heard of farmville though was was the game fishville was actually you want awesome. to well, ever since um the the platform that, that 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 um you can get the game off of like Zynga was like purchased mm-hmm. by um I think like Epic Games and and like you could download Farmville on your computer and I got really bored one day at work and I may or may not have downloaded it and I was like this is too much, this is too much time and effort to play this game so I stopped playing but life was so simple back in the day it really was you you you, you wake up in the morning you um post your uh, like for T- TBH and rate and uh, you went to go play some Farmville. Max, you were definitely the kind of kid that was like always on Facebook, like yo, like yo, like like for TBH. And I was like, the opposite. To be honest, you're cool. Whenever, whenever someone posted one, I was definitely like, oh yeah, like give me one, but I never actually did it. That's just a freaking lie. You, you were you were like the guy to be like, yo, man. You can, back, you can check the you can check the comment record. for a rate, <laughs> and then like, he said, Max, you can check my memories. I, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go all the way back in your archive Facebook uh, messages. Oh, my I, God. You find, I have some... Dude, you find some weird-ass stuff. Yeah, no. Like, that... like you, you find some weird-ass stuff on your uh, your Facebook. Like, I get, like, memories from, like, things I, I, I posted when I was in, like, middle school. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, delete, 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 delete. I'm, I'm like, I, I can't. It's just no, crazy I, shit. I keep mine. Mo- most of mine are just Lil Wayne lyrics. Well, uh, you... Hopefully, no uh, profanities. You know, Josh Hader got called out for that. Like, oh no, we kept it clean. We kept the cool Lil Wayne lyrics that it was like, "Yo, that's a fire hook." Like real G's moving silence like lasagna. That like (laughs) lyrics from like right above it when he was in prison. Like, probably. Oh god, there was one song that he did. Um, oh, it was the Like a Boss remix. I remember like that. That was like big in middle school because everyone loved Rick Ross, and my my teacher was like eighty years old, and so a kid in the back of the back of the room would always go, "Huh." And she was like, what's that noise? We were in middle school listening to Meek Milk mixtapes. <laughs> and then I was in high school listening to J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar mixtapes. The big mixtapes when I was in middle school was what was uh, Wiz Khalifa. Like, Taylor Alderman was, was one of the biggies. That was a big one. That was, like, what, 2010? Yeah. Um, The Dreamville albums. No, Dreamville? No, uh, not Dreamville. That's J. Cole. What's the – oh, um, Dream Chasers from uh, Meek mm-hmm. Milk. That was really good. House Party. Um, yeah, House Party. That, the House Party remix with Mac Miller, though. That one hit. Man, Meek in middle school. Like, we would be doing, like, the, the gym day stuff, and you'd be, like, running around, like, 
certain area and we just found meek mill mixtapes and we were blasting that in like seventh grade the gym day stuff uh what was the what was the best sport or event that you played in elementary school gym elementary like middle school max please uh, jump in you're kind of uh quiet in the conversation my bad um I don't know. We used to play. Uh, we used to play this game called Map Ball. And it was really stupid because it was just kickball, but you had to go around twice. <laughs> that sounds like torture. I mean, like we we used to have a hockey um, like like section uh, like for like two weeks, and we play hockey, and all the girls would like be off in the corner because because they didn't want to play. And I remember all the guys because we wanted to emulate um, like Yarmir Yager back in the day. We used to take the plastic uh, plastic like sticks and bend the head all the way down so you can get a mad uh, a, a mad cup. It was amazing. It was it was. That's why wild. you didn't get new textbooks every year. Yeah, no, they they, they spent too much on uh, plastic ho- hockey sticks. But also, of course, there was the uh, the famed fitness gram pacer test. Uh, I like everyone talks about. I don't remember doing that. Are you kidding me? Like I don't remember that at all. Like I remember it on like TV shows and like people talking about i don't remember ever doing that once it was probably like the first of all it was, it was one of the most grimacing experiences in my life considering i'm fat um so I, I was one of the kids that like only got to like 30 but then the, <laughs> then there was like like the kids like 85 90 there was one girl who actually went she, she played she played d1 soccer i think at, at like louisville she like broke the new york state record at, and like and like fourth grade for the pitch. I'm like, what the hell? And like people like came to watch her do it and like, make sure it was legit. That's insane. It was so weird. Cause, cause, cause we did it. And then like after school, she got like invited to like do it in front of like a panel of people. I'm like, who, who's like marking off fourth grade <laughs> running times in the pitcher test. <laughs> it made no sense to me. <laughs> That's insane. It was so stupid. Oh my God. All right. You know what? Let's get off the BS. Let's talk about the stuff in the golf world, which actually matters a lot more. The Zurich Classic this past week, one of the uh, premier events in the team style, which you don't usually see very often, a, uh, a event unlike most down in New Orleans, which I found out about five minutes ago was not called the Music City. Um, what's the, what is like New Orleans called? Like, what's the thing? I, I know like Bourbon Street, but like... They have like the French Quarter. Uh, it's just see. Nola to me. Like I, I don't know anything else. Yeah. It's... Yeah, but like the Big Easy. I knew that. Oh, all right. Yeah, the Big it's Easy. It's the Big Easy. <laughs> well, the, the Big Easy. Also, first of all, speaking of jazz, why they're called the Utah Jazz is beyond Shout me. Shout out B movie. There, there's no jazz in Utah. Jazz belongs in Nola. Anyways, different. So you story. like jazz? You like jazz? <laughs> all right, anyways. So the Zurich Classic this past week, as the uh, the banner below says quite clearly, we me and John called it a Mickey Mouse event uh, last week. Kind of, sort of was considering the uh, the outcomes. Of course, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele take home the big win, cash me in for a nice sixty sixty five buck payout. That's now I think like a hundred and forty dollars I've made in golf winnings in my career. Um, full frontal, I never bet on any of my on any of my beer my uh, beer money picks, even though most of them hit. Um, I've only ever bet on the live bet Matsuyama at the Sony Open and this one that that, that managed to hit. Otherwise, I've lost basically everything. Um, the one bet I did take, well, actually, no. The, the, there was all the Masters bets, bets that I took, but the worst one ever was the one time that I bet, like, 
like Emiliano Grio for like a top five, and he like missed the cut, but like just shot like eighty three. And I was like, <laughs> I, I should just, I should just, just fully quit my entire career. But anyways, the Zurich Classic this this past weekend, TBC Louisiana, Cantlay and Shoffley wire to wire victory from round one all the way down to round four, shot a fifty nine, the first in tournament history for anybody, especially after it became a team event in twenty seventeen. Some other some other big time names in the field, Billy Billy Horschel and Bermuda. Burns managed to find their way into a second place finish, locking me in for a top five that week. Pretty solid week this week, but of course the story comes down to Cantlay and Shoffley, two of the best golfers in the world. But really, are they? I think this is kind of this is a good spot, spot to start here. Max, please please uh, lead things off with Cantlay's win and Shoffley's win, of course. I think we've come to the determination that there's possibly a chance that Patrick Cantlay, arguably. While he is one of the best in the world, we already know that he's the fourth-ranked player in the world. Might be actually the one of the most underrated golfers uh, in the world. I think he doesn't. I think his name alone that it doesn't line up with the guys like Rom and Dustin Johnson and Morikawa and all that. I feel like it's, it's like on a lower scale. But what he's done in the last two years, especially um, towards the back end of last season, and now this is really the first event that he's been able to kind of pick, uh, keep the dust up, and now possibly go on this magical run towards the PGA Championship. And of course, he had. Um, the big start last year at the Memorial. Could we consider Patrick Cantlay one of the more underrated golfers in golf, or do you think his um, his name value is sort of on par with where he is ranked in the world? I think that in terms of of a general standpoint, like you're not going to necessarily see Patrick Cantlay on Sports Center unless I mean unless he gets like he wins like yesterday. But I think in the golf world, people who are watching golf realize that he is for sure one if not the most consistent golfer over the past nine months now granted i saw a stat yesterday that since last august he leads the pga tour in wins with five now one of those came at the tour championship which is you know with the staggered start technically john rom and kevin na won that event if you're you know if everyone started on equal footing and then of course yesterday depending on whether or not you consider uh yesterday you know mickey mouse event or not but i mean he was absolutely on fire to start the year i mean he lost in the playoff in phoenix which he probably should have won uh you know he uh he played at pebble beach when everyone was was out in saudi arabia that week him and speed were really the, the two top guys that were in the field that week and speed ended up finishing second and i think cantley was i mean he finished he had a top five finish uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if it was fourth or third uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, then I so then after that, after the beginning of this year, I was saying to myself like, this, this guy, I could see him, you know, being the Masters. And honestly, that was kind of my pick. And then he kind of went through a rough patch, but you saw, you know, he lost in the playoff last week to Spieth, and then he wins this week, um, and he became the first player since Dustin Johnson uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs in 2020. You know, uh, Johnson lost in the playoff at BMW to Rom on that insane putt, but then he came back and ended up winning the tour championship. Now, Shoffley, right, didn't, he technically had the best score that week from zero, yeah. which I'm sure we're going to get into to Shoffley in, in, in a couple of minutes. But yeah, I mean, for sure, I think Cantley, you know, he really has established himself as, as one of the top players. I mean, you don't win player of the year for nothing. I know that that was kind of controversial, especially because he did win Memorial and uh, Rahm ended up with uh, withdrawing, but you know, that whole COVID fiasco happened. Uh, so, but, you know, Cantley's also a really cool story. I mean, you know, going back to, you know, he was a really high, highly regarded player, uh, you know, in the early 2010s, 
Then unfortunately, you know, his, his, his caddy and best friend passed away, you know, got hit by a car in California. And then he's out for, you know, a couple of years with, with that, with that back procedure. So now for him to come back, I mean, I, I really think it is one of, you know, the undersold stories on tour this year or, you know, just in golf as a whole. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, th there's not much more to add to it. I think like me being a casual golf fan, like, me knowing Patrick Cantlay's name speaks for itself. That's like, true. Knowing like who that dude is in terms of just like name recognition, you you can kind of say, yeah, like he's he's in that field of like the golfers that get talked about. And while he might not be like, you know, top of the top of the table almost in terms of just like the elite guys, like he's somebody that like if you're a casual guy, you see Patrick Cantlay's name, it's like, oh yeah, he's pretty good at golf. Yeah, well, I think that the, the big story here with Cantlay is that he isn't in that, like, echelon where you think of, um, like, name me three golfers. You can ask anybody off the street. I can go to Manhattan. Like, name three golfers. Obviously, they're going to say, let's say, oh, Tiger and Phil. But, like, the third is going to be someone like Jordan Spieth or it's going to be Roy McIlroy or um, I guess, like, Bryson is sort of, like, in that category now. Uh, Brooks is certainly there. But, like, if you look at the top 10 golfers in the world, you know basically everybody except Patrick Kelly's name doesn't, like, sp like stand out. And I think maybe it's, like, it's going to sound weird. I think it's, like, maybe it's his face. Like, like you can, like, recognize a lot of guys by their face. Kelly's, like, one of those, like, more low-key guys. He's, like, he's on social media, really. He isn't very active. He's very much kind of in the weeds and does his own thing. He doesn't talk to anybody. So maybe it's, like, it's that, like, that, that, that light demeanor. But I, I don't know how, how at this point – and I said this weeks ago, I think when Cantley actually went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Spieth and wound up losing to Tom Hogan at Pebble Beach, I was like, there's a time to shake up the, the World Golf rankings when Rom was number one. Obviously, now we have Scheffler at one, but you really can't not put Cantley in that one, two, three talk. I think he's currently fourth right now behind uh, Morikawa and Rom. I just think he's so good and so talented, and he really is one of the, one of the most consistent guys on tour. I'm pretty sure he hasn't missed a cut in i don't know nine weeks ten weeks like it's been a ridiculous span for someone who is young he's talented he's probably the best putter right now on tour he's probably next to cameron smith um averaging the most strokes game putting but the guy's absolutely ridiculous but then on the other side of things you want to talk about guys who might be the most overrated golfer you look at xander shoffley and you're like what the hell is going on here uh zephyr melton had a great tweet and i i was the first one to hop on it and john fought me tooth and nail on it really sad he isn't here um to debate it and so I'm just going to uh, read it here. He had a tweet that in all of his wins in his career, he won in 2017 at Greenbrier, won in 2017, won the, won the tour championship in the pre-net format. So he won, had the low score, didn't particularly win it though. He won the um, the World Golf Championship, H HSBC Championship, which was a, a, a limited field event. He won the Tournament Champions, which is also a limited tour event in 2019. And Zurich this year. Among his other wins, he won the 2020 uh, Tour Championship with the low gross score, so he won the, he won outright, and he won the Olympics. So with all that being said, he's only won one full, technically one full field event, which came at the Zurich. He's won one stroke play event that was full field at Greenbrier, and everything else has been basically a watered down win. And I'm not, and I'm going to give him credit here. Yeah, you won the Tour Championship technically twice. Which is impressive considering it's the top thirty golfers in the world, technically speaking, based on FedEx Cup points. So you're uh, you're clearly facing a challenging field. 
But it's safe to say that maybe, just maybe, because of all the watered-down wins and maybe the um, the appeal that, that, that Shoffley brings every single major, every single week, he's always high up on the board, he's sort of been overrated in terms of the way he's portrayed in the public eye and how he is actually performing on the golf course. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, every single win essentially is, is watered down. And, you know, I said that yesterday when he won, I mean, you could pick apart every single one of his victories and say like, you know, is this a legitimate victory? So basically what he has to do now is he has to back it up and he has to go out, you know, he either has to win a major. And I think another reason why people, you know, do kind of put him, you know, honestly, you going back to our past conversation, I mean, if you talk to casual golfers, are they going to know Xander Shoffley or are they going to know Patrick Cantley first? Uh, you know, I feel like he kind of has the stature. Maybe it's because, you know, he performs really well in majors, even though without winning, does he doesn't have like nine top tens or something in majors or something around yeah, that number. So, you know, that does itself, although he, he did not, you know, win any of those, which is obviously the goal. So I guess, you know, he is doing something right if he is winning these events, whether it be, you know, a limited field event like the Tour Championship, you know, winning a team event like yesterday. So, you know, it, you kind of, you know, you got to give him some credit because he's, he's doing things that, you know, there's tons of other golfers haven't been able to do. And, you know, on top of that, he is putting up good results. But, you know, now what he has to do eventually is he has to go and win, you know, a full field. It doesn't, even if it's not a major, I mean, if he can go out and win, you know, the, the, the travelers, or I'm trying to think of, you know, higher level. I mean, he's not going to go play John Deere. But, you know, he, uh, you know a, a substantial full-field PGA Tour event that, that's coming up this summer. I mean, like I said, the Travelers, um, you know, my missing one, you know, maybe if he plays Byron Nelson in a couple of weeks, you know, something like that. And then I think, you know, he would really sign up to all his hours, even without a major win. So this is John's argument, and I'll, I'll sort of play advocate for uh, for the side. I do think he's a little bit overrated based on what the wins tell you, but I do think that, that, that there is credit to be had. He, he is certainly – a top 15 player in the world. There's no doubt about that. Um, is he better than some guys who are lower than him? I would argue probably not. And I'll pull up, and I'll pull up the world, the world golf rankings in a bit, but based on, based on John's answer, he's a Olympic gold medalist. So right there, pretty impressive. He's the first rookie to win, to win the tour championship. Also pretty impressive. Nine top tens in majors in only five years, no worse than eighth in strokes gained total over the last three seasons. And he's, and he has a WGC win, which not many guys can say, say they have that. On top of the fact that he's won a, that he's won a tour championship, only five guys in the in history of golf actively have won both a WGC and um, a tour championship. So right there, it's a pretty pretty extensive resume. But also, you look at the official World Golf Rankings, and I'll pull it up uh, right here. He some of these names that I feel like that I, I feel are behind him. And as of last week, Jordan Spieth was on that list. Matsuyama. I would argue is probably better than better. He actually is better than him. The guy has three wins in the last six months. Like already, there you go. Botsyama, Billy Horschel has been on fire lately. Joaquin Neiman is probably the best young golfer that isn't named Colin Morikawa and Scotty Scheffler right now. Like he, it, is he better than, better than Shoffley? Yes, as of right now, form-wise, but maybe not on name recognition alone. Kepka, DeChambeau, they're kind of in their own sort of little bubble um, area. You have guys like in the twenties who I think aren't they aren't particularly as good, but the recent form says that they are. 
um, Berger being one, Patrick Finau, uh, Shane Lowry obviously has been on a on a tear. I think he has like nine top twenty-five five finishes uh, consecutively, which is like ridiculous, dating back to last year's Open. So a lot of guys who kind of fall around the Shoffley era in terms of current skill set, but to still be the twelfth ranked golfer in the world and be playing the way that be playing the way that you are and have been climbing the ladder all these years, but to not only to not only really have one full field win doesn't really strike me as anything uh too too impressive and you know what i'm, I'm gonna call it a mickey mouse win i'm gonna say that the the zurich was not carried by cantley they certainly both made their shots but watching it for two days saturday and sunday it was pretty apparent that you kind of saw cantley was more in the fairway he had plenty more shots shots on approach that were really better um cantley made the uh sorry shoffley made the putts but cantley was just simply playing um to his best and i think that that's kind of where um, the law, the line gets drawn here between between Cantlay and Shoffley, and how overrated um, Shoffley could be. Kyle, did do you have any uh, any inputs here as the casual golf fan? I mean, Shoffley's name also like comes up in my brain when I think like golfers and everything. I'm like trying in my brain, like you knowing me, trying to equate him to like a baseball player almost, where like he's he's in that discussion in like the top fifteen but, like, doesn't have the full-blown accolades in terms of just, like, overall trophy case or, you know, that type of thing? Um, I'm not going to go as far to say he's a Trevor Story because Trevor Story is just... That's like, what so I was... Swear to God, that's what I was just going to say. That's the first <laughs> no, but, thing like, I, I, <laughs> I Look, I'm no baseball pod guy. I'm not on uh, Talking Yanks with John Boy, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, Trevor Story, his home road splits in Colorado were so putrid... I'm not gonna put put Shoffley on the kind of level that he is. You got to realize, like Trevor Story hit like 300 at home at Coors Field. Uh, I'm pretty sure last year he batted like 207 on the road. Um, he was abysmal. Like, granted, like the numbers and everything, uh, like like were pretty much adequate, but it was the batting average that that was just so off the mark bad. I'm the the, the thing is is like Shoffley is good when it matters, kind of like Brooks Koepka, really. They're really good in majors. They always perform well, and they're always pretty good in the marquee events. It's just they don't have the clutch gene to win. You've you've seen it every single time Shoffley set out on a course the last year and a half and he's been in contention. He cannot make the big shot. He he found the water at Augusta um, against Matsuyama, basically locked up his win. He found the water again at, Pe- at Pebble Beach last year as well. Couldn't get it done. He, he There are so many different opportunities that he's had, and he's just squandered every single one of them. And I think at that point, it, it, it becomes more a problem of the, he has the skill but he doesn't have the ability to win the big event when it matters the most. I might sound dumb here, so I'm prefacing this. There's no I such might thing sound as, dumb. There's no such thing as a dumb dumb answer, just dumb people. So I might get called a dumb person for this. Okay, let's hear it. Is he young Clayton Kershaw? Uh, Where Kershaw couldn't get it done in the playoffs, he got a Mickey Mouse World Series win. <laughs> Kershaw couldn't get it done in the playoffs for like twelve years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, what? Shop is like 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 thirty two. Like he's still young. He's he, he's like in that, that that like middle ground of like uh, of guys. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like in that like range of like where Shoffley's career has been and where yeah, Kershaw's right. career has been, and then they both get the Mickey Mouse wins. Elite level golfer down. hasn't been able to get the big wins when it matters the most. Yeah, I I think it's pretty adequate. The only thing I would say is Kershaw. Was even though he couldn't get the big out in the playoffs, I mean, he was by far the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, he was raking in Cy Young after Cy Young award after Cy Young award. 
I think you can make that comparison if maybe Shoffle was just killing it and, and winning all these big events nonstop. But, you know, I think that really, you know, it, like, and then if you couldn't get it done in the majors, then maybe we can make that comparison. But I, well, I still like, I'm trying to think of a player that's well, really- hold on. Not for nothing though, but throughout the entire season, like, like you had to realize prior to him now being the 11th ranked golfer in the world, he was as high as fourth going into the Genesis. And like here, and the perfect example here, look at his scores from, we'll go literally from, from the tour championship um, last year, right? Technically finished first for the 72 hole score. Finished fifth at the U.S. Open, second at the CJ Cup, tied top for 17th at the Zozo and the Masters. Then this whole season, fifth at the Century, second at the Farmers, second at the Waste Management, 15th at the Genesis, 39th at at at, uh, at Concession. This, this is last year. Missed the cut at the Players, still still rolling through. 18th at the Match Play, third at the Masters, 14th at the Wells Fargo, 11th at the Memorial, seventh at the U.S. Open. He won the Olympics. Then you come into this year. 18th, 28th, 12th, 12th, 34th, 18th, 3, 13, missed the cut at the players, 12, 35, missed the cut at the Masters. It it's almost actually been last year was just so good. And now he's sort of almost fallen off a cliff because he only has two, three top 15s uh in eight events this year. And when you really think about it, like the the top placements, the Hero World Challenge was a 20-man field. Uh, the Phoenix Open was a full field. I'll give him that, but the Valspar wasn't that like full field big time event. It was there was only eight guys in the top fifty playing that week. So, mm-hmm. is it it's a washed down field a little bit, kind of, um, largely because it was the hangover event um, after the players. But still, like it, how how far can we go before we say Shoffle is not deserving of a top ten placement in the World Golf Rankings? I, I, I think the the question kind of lies there. We'll, but we'll see where things go. We'll figure things out out as we move on to the Mexico Open and we go further on into the year. And who knows? Maybe maybe you'll prove us all wrong and go win at a uh, Southern Hills, and then then we'll all have to just, we'll all have to shut up. But until that happens, as I make a terrible transition here, some news across the PGA Tour that we must talk about. Of course, what is a show without talking more Saudi Arabian golf? 70 players have signed up for the first Greg Norman LIV golf event. That's set to kick off, tip off, shoot off, whatever the word is. Tee off. Tee off. Thank you. I'm so dumb. I'm a golf podcast host. I'm ridiculous. June 9th to the 11th at the Centurion Club in London, England. I think today or tomorrow is the last day PGA Tour players can request permission to play in the event. So basically the whole uh, the whole field is basically filled out. As of today, it's to be seen whether or not the PGA Tour will will allow it. Uh, if they don't and they go play anyways, then they'll be banned. Probably, according to Jay Monahan, if they do accept it, they'll probably still be banned. Whatever the what, whatever happens, happens at this point. Uh, but 70 names have gone. 15 of the top 100 players in the world don't know most of them yet, although we do obviously have connections to Bubba Watson, Kevin Na, Jason Kokrak, Lee Westwood, and Ian Poulter, according uh, to some reports from last week. But the one name that we do know will, in fact, be signing up is who else but Phil Mickelson. After three months of exile from the PGA Tour, he's finally back in the headlines requesting to join the Greg Norman first event. Guys, what do we think of it? Well, I mean, it's kind of expected. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the comment from his agent today 
saying that, you know, he, he filed an entry to play that event. And then he also filed entries to play the PGA and the U S open. And, you know, his, his agent said basically that it's not a decision that he's coming back, but rather he's just keeping all his options open. So, uh, He's obviously has has been tied to this, you know, to LIV. I st- I still call it the Super Golf League or the Saudi Golf League from you know what we were doing two months ago. But it's what it uh, is, honestly. It's yeah. I mean, but you know, I, I I think I don't know because I feel like there's two directions that Phil can go in right now. The first one he could say like my you know basically behind Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson is you know the guy pretty much, and. I think he can go in either two directions. The first one, he could say, all right, I basically, you know, I have a big blemish now on my legacy, so I'm going to dive back into the PGA Tour. I'm going to do everything the right way. I'm going to, you know, kind of, you know, repolish my legacy and, and maybe, you know, I'll play some champs events and, you know, I'll kind of work my way towards being the darling of the sport, which, you know, essentially he's been, especially last year after he won the PGA. And then, you know, up until he made these comments in February, well, technically he made the comments last year, but they were leaked in February. Um, or he could just say, you know, basically screw it. I have completely tarnished my legacy. I was going to go all in on this thing. You know, now I'm going to back off because basically, you know, the whole world hates me and, you know, I'm no longer, you know, sponsored by Callaway and Workday and, and, and KMPG. So, you know, I think he could just go all in and say, screw it. You know, I, I screwed everything up, so I might as well go make, you know, a boatload of money as opposed to, you know, dabbling my way on the senior tour next to, you know, Jim Furyk and, and you know, Bernard Langer. So uh, it's interesting to see which direction he's going to go into. Uh, I, I honestly, I really don't know. I think, though, he and, – and I'm not saying I, you know, agree with what he said. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, it's cancel culture. But, you know, I, I – I, I think he, he's paid a pretty hefty price. And after, especially, you know, I loved watching the PGA last year. I thought that was one of the coolest things I've ever watched in my life. I, I really mean that. For me, honestly, and I know there's a lot of people that probably would disagree with this, it was on par with Tiger in 2019 at the Masters. Like, I, I honestly found him more shocking than Tiger because Phil's been out of contention for, for so long and he just comes out of nowhere and becomes the oldest player to ever win a major. So... Uh, I think, though, he really should be on hand at Southern Hills next month. I mean, like, I, to me, it's I, – I don't have an opinion yet, uh, and I do think that it's wrong of him to not want to be a part of the, a part of the PGA again. Um, this, is, this is where he's, he's made his bread and butter. Obviously, there's been no other tour to really rival this, but – what really is stopping him from wanting uh, $130 million to sign on with? And honestly, realistically, yeah, he might not be the top 100 golfer in terms of like the guys like Bubba and Poulter and Kevin Na, but you're certainly going to make, make the most money if you sign on. Um, the, obviously, the, the promises and signing bonus pools, although like no one's really committed yet, they've all, all they've ever done was per, request permission to join the event for the week. That isn't per se saying, oh, I'm going to sign on to the tour. In which case, does the signing bonus idea kind of fall out the window? I don't really know. I have no idea where um, Greg Norman's head is at. But it's obvious that that pretty clear. They will, in fact, get uh, suspended and uh, excommunicated from the PGA Tour, as what Jay Monahan says. I I think there's actually a pretty good shot he might just move on. um, Because the money in the tour champions is not enough for him to make a killing 
in an area where the fields are not going to be nearly as strong as what he plays at now. And he's going to basically be in contention every single week at 55, 60 years old. Kyle, what are you thinking? Well, not to not to interrupt the discussion. We have breaking golf news on oh the college tour. Oh, boy. North Carolina A&T's very own J.R. Smith has been named Academic Athlete of the Year at North Carolina A&T with a 4.0 GPA. I think the greatest part about J.R. Smith is the fact that he became the first athlete to get sponsored by Lululemon, and like 80% of the tour wears Lululemon if they aren't sponsored already by the Under Armors and the Polos and the Foot Joys of the world. How this guy managed, managed, managed to get in on an NIL deal is so funny. And so many people were like, kind of like, there was one tweet that was like, oh, like, how many pro golfers are so upset right now that J.R. Smith is stealing the thunder of, uh, of getting one of the biggest golf leisure brands? Like, it, ridiculous. JR, he's a legend, and he's certainly one of the white whales that I have for this podcast for you guys to have on as a guest. How fun would it be to see, like, J.R. Smith and, like, Harry Higgs in a group together? My, They'd both my, be shirtless. Two, two of my, two of my uh, white whales, definitely. Well, like, Harry's, like, first and foremost. That would be all-time, like, four-man pairing. You, John, Harry Higgs, and J.R. Smith. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I you know skins game only though. No shirts. I'm afraid how how that how that would would we go skinnies uh, stubs stubs versus uh, stumps? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like it's John and Jr. versus you and Harry. I I, I think we could win. That's like a white whale content piece right there. If we <laughs> could ever have that happen, my goodness. I look too much like Harry Higgs and to, to, to like legitimately be like, uh, like confident that, that 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 on video you can tell us apart. And I mean, we could have Harry Higgs fill in for LeBron and recreate the meme on a golf course, like, where LeBron's like, the, uh... like pointing at Jr. <laughs> that that would, that would actually be absolutely incredible. Hold on, my uh, my brother's texting me. Well. All right, really fast before we have to uh, take our first break here because we're already so far into it. A couple of updates from the uh, the golfing world as I run through these like a update anchor. NASA uh, NASA Hatayoka, hopefully they did, didn't butcher that name, closed the five stroke lead over Hannah Green. She ran away with the DIO implant LA Open at the Wilshire Country Club on the LPGA side. Over on the men's side in Europe, Paolo Larazabal, Larazabal, Larazabal. Fired an 8-under 62 to claim his 7th DP World Tour win. First in his home country of Spain. Won the ISPS Handa Championship. Scott Perel on the champion side earned his 2nd Champions Tour title, defeating Gene Sowers and Steve Alker from the inaugural Club Corp Classic. And a playoff. speaking of Club Corp, do you guys know that, that they are changing their name to Invited because they're trying to cater to younger, more diverse golfers, apparently like, like country club membership rates? Like the average age is, has gone from like deceased to like thirty years old. A little fun <laughs> fact. Uh, and then also, of course, out, out of Texas for the club court championship, the celebrity side. One of the funniest things things I've seen all week: Tony Romo beat out pro tennis player Marty Fish and beat LPGA legend uh, Annika Sorensen to win the Celebrity Open at the club court championship. Some guys he also beat out: Vikings receiver Adam Thielen, 
Derek Lowe, John Smoltz, and newly retired pitcher John Lester in the field this week. And apparently, AJ Brzezinski is also a nasty golfer. I don't know where it is with baseball players and golf. There's so good. There's a bunch of people that go to Lake Tahoe in the summer and play in like this like charity event. Pat McAfee is golfing in it this year. AJ Hawk is always there. Like Aaron Rodgers is always there. So a lot of like the athletes go to that and like play together and like link up. It. Like Pat McAfee taught Scottie Pippen how to shotgun a beer at that event. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous well hey uh, if anybody is interested i have uh, officially signed up as of like two weeks ago to join the the pro-am field at the lpga shop right classic uh i have not been approved yet but i very well might be in the pro-am uh, and i will in fact have to get in the whole uh distinction if they haven't show it on tv let's go they'll be like oh steve mackerel get in the whole podcast <laughs> paired up with like lexi thompson i'll be like yeah Shanks the first let's team. Go. Oh my god! Yeah, so I I officially signed up. I uh, sent John the link. Hasn't seen it yet. I don't think because uh, he hasn't responded to it. But we'll see if we. Uh, That's electric. Down in what is it, Galway, New Jersey? I think it is. Yep, it's about yep. like yeah, it's forty cool. minutes away from my house. Huge! So very excited for, uh, for that one. We're gonna take our first short break when we come back. The Mexico Open, everything you got to know about, it. and of course some betting picks from yours truly. Stay tuned. It's to get in the whole podcast from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like, 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 Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today.
Hey! It's Top Ben's time! What's up? We're back. We are back, folks. My hat's off. It's time for some more Get in the Hole talk. We're going to go all the way down to the Mexico Open. But before we do that, Max, I got to ask you, you're, you're a, a music guy. You and I used to listen to West Side Gun back in the, uh, the old college uh, apartments. So on the, uh, the Zurich Classic, one of the big things that happens um, down in New Orleans, obviously it's, it's, it's the music city, or it's one of the music cities uh, of the world. Every single team on Sunday comes out to a walk-up song, and unfortunately they didn't have them released last week, so I couldn't quiz John on this. But we're going to play a little uh, game of Hey Siri Play. It's uh, I'm going to give you some songs. you got to tell me what team walked out to said song. Unfortunately, due to some copyright infringement stuff, we will not be able to play said songs. But we, you probably know the tunes, I would hope. We're going to start off with a pretty easy one. We'll go with All of the Lights by Kanye West. Can you guess what team walked out to that jam on the first tee at PBC Louisiana? All right, here we go. <laughs> what do you think? Um, uh, uh, all right, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a hint for every single for every, for every team. Um, a pair of English golfers, one of which has won a major. Was it? No, Larry's Irish. Larry, so Larry's Irish. Yes. So that would not work. A pair of English golfers. I already like the field is already out. Of, I just wanted to get that event out of my head. Like I'm so glad to move on past it. <laughs> that can bring us to the top. But um, who is English? Who, uh, who's paired together that that was English? I'm trying to think. No Blandy. <laughs> nope, no, no Blandy. Uh, was Fitzpatrick in the field? He was not. There's, there's, there's actually only one, um, one pairing that of two, uh, two Englishmen. So this is a, a layout. If you know it. I, I honestly can't. Fleetwood was in the field, right? Uh, he was. He was not. Well, no, no, no. He was, but um, he he was he was uh with Sergio. It's Tyrrell Hatton and Danny Willett. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I could see that from 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 Hatton. You know, he's a little bit of a of a nut in a good way or a bad way. I don't know look at it. <laughs> Next up, we got Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. One of the players had made an ace at the waste management, and the other has some pretty sick hat flow. Sam Ryder. Did, do you remember his partner? And his partner was another R for the last name. Uh um I it wasn't Chez. No, it was Doc Redman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did but well. They, they did they did do well. Good song too. Uh, I actually really appreciate it. All right, here we go. Touch the Sky by Kanye West and Lupe Fiasco. One one of these guys, I believe, is Austrian. Uh, was a late add to the field, and one of them is, um, oh, he was one of the top uh, amateur players at, over the last like three or four years. Uh, I was like him and um, a couple of other um, Asian golfers who they're like a trifecta of like big uh, big time amateurs of amateurs. Yeah. So it wasn't wasn't like Sanjay Iron. No. Well, Doug Gim, Doug Gim, and Matthias Schwab. 
Oh, okay. I was because I was gonna say like Straka wasn't in the field. Sep Straka, well, what a name. All right, devastated by Joey Badass. Two we, two we, of the big time two of the big time golfers in the uh on the PGA. One of them has a great Twitter presence. Homa. Max Homa, and do you know his partner? He's a frequent he's a frequent name drop on the show. Um who's his partner? I can't even remember any of these. Maybe it's because they're putting me on the spot. I'm getting a little nervous. Um uh Who's his partner? Was it was it Billy Horschel? No, it was Taylor Gooch. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, one more because I'm uh I'm boring the viewers to death. Our winning team. I am because I'm taking forever to answer them. <laughs> our winning team, Cantlay and Shawflay. Could you guess the song they, that that they would have that they would have came out to? That they would. The song. If if you can guess, like a song that was like. Made for the made for the two of them. Made for the two of them, so it has to be somewhat. I want to say boring, but that's a little bit of an insult. They deserve a little. It is more boring. It's a, it's a very boring song. It's a very um, iconic song, but it's a very boring song. I have no idea. House of the Rising Sun. Interesting. Which is absolutely, like, wait, you don't know it? No, I know. I, I, I actually do. We can't play. We can't play. Just legendary. So yeah. So House of the Rising Sun. Some other, some other uh, elite songs that, that came out. Um, Ryan Brem and Mark Hubbard. Fortunate Son by Cre- by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. Bulls on Parade. Honestly, probably my favorite one. And and I didn't bring it up for a reason. Um, as you know, Victor Hovland loves heavy metal. Uh, and Colin Morikawa tweeted out that that, that that they were looking for a song. Um, someone appropriately requested Jeroen Sandstorm, and what happened? They came out to that very song. Uh, clearly, Colin was not going to deal with Victor's shit with playing something like super heavy metal, screamo, uh, <laughs> let, like raggedy, wild music. So that didn't happen. But let's go on now past all past all the fun stuff. It's the Mexico Open this week. The first time this event will take place on the PGA Tour. The inaugural event will hopefully be here a couple of t- a couple more times in the future. Obviously, no more WGC Mexico Championship. That's totally done with. But we're on to the new and revived Mexico Open. Ironically, played at, at a golf course by a guy who is no longer associated to the PGA Tour, Greg Norman. One of the shark made this one. There isn't a lot of information to talk about on this golf course, so we're going to kind of skip over the um, the course confidential stuff. Obviously, like to talk about what this event is about, essentially. The only things to know about this golf course, and no one actually has has anything on it because there's no statistical analysis. It's windy. There's like 55 fairway bunkers. Uh, it's heavily guarded by, by waste areas, but the fairways are huge. You should be able to find it uh, uh, pretty well. I believe actually there was a here, – oh, here we go. This is a quote directly from the website of the actual golf course that I will read off right now and kind of give you a, give you an idea of exactly what the course is about. Uh, according to the course description, past Palom grass covers the entire layout, winds along the, the Amico River, and provides views of the Sierra Madre Mountains from almost every single hole. The course is a large landing areas, but sandy waste areas and numerous water hazards await to catch shots of straight too far away. The water also adds a strategic element to many holes, as do the 55 total bunkers that dot the golf course. And of course, 
this is this golf course is in one of the iconic shark designs of Greg Norman. Obviously, that's like his logo. He's strategically made some of the holes look like a mini shark. I don't know why he does that, but he he does that like every course he makes. Don't know why. There's like one course in Florida that is legitimately a shark. Like you go around and it's like the edging of a shark. It's weird. But anyway, did you watch the thirty for thirty? I you know I, I didn't actually. I um. KB said to DVR it, uh, but like I live in 2022 and DVRs are like are so like 2010s. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I'm probably gonna watch tonight before bed, uh, but I haven't gotten a chance to do it. The one thing I will say though, I thought was really funny. I saw a clip of it. For some reason, like just just to torture Greg Norman more, they made him go back to the same spot that he lost the, the masters at. And yeah. just stand there and stare out at Augusta National. Like, how much of an a-hole do you got to be for ESPN to be well, like, yeah? What? He was on the course, like, for a majority of the – he literally, like, kind of walked through, like, hole by yeah. hole. So Which it, is was, like, it was interesting. But, yeah, it was I, definitely torturous. It'll be a, it, it'll be a very good watch. Probably going to comment more on it uh, next week after I watch it. But certainly something that I'll be keeping my eyes out for. Let's talk about this field. Because there's no like there's no other way to say this, but this is the worst field you may have ever seen in the history of golf. I want to start with the betting odds here because this kind of shows how bad it is. You compared it to the uh, to the Bermuda Championship from like October November, right? Well, this was the field that week in comparison to this week. And just just in terms of betting, plus one thousand for Matt Fitzpatrick, twelve to one Christian Bezadenhut. 16 to 1, Mito Pereira, and then 20 to 1, Patrick Reed, Champs Power. Some other good names uh, were in the field. Adam Hadwin, pretty pretty relevant. Danny Willett, Patrick Rogers, uh, and anybody else? Sahith Tagala at, at that point at plus like 5,000. This field, though, oh, takes on a whole new definition of how a bad field can be. And the only reason why this field might be a little bit better is because the world number two is for some reason in this field. I don't really know why. What? It's until he withdraws tomorrow. Well, no, Daniel Berger, Daniel Berger's already withdrawn due to an injury, which I'm pretty sure was just his way of saying this field sucks. Get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, but good. here's a current look at the field, folks. If you are looking to bet bet about this week, plus four fifty for John Rom. That's like looking at at like a like I I can get better odds right now on the Celtics t- to sweep the uh, the Nets. Like uh, it's like, kind of embarrassing. Plus fifteen hundred, a almost one thousand point jump, all the way to Abraham Answer, obviously native of Mexico, so he'll be um high up on the list. Finau plus at plus twenty one hundred with Gary Woodland, plus twenty four hundred is Kevin Na, and then Patrick Reed at plus twenty six hundred, and then the field basically just dips off and it goes all the way up to like plus thirty four hundred for Chris Kirk, Aaron Wise, Sebastian Munoz, Cam Champ. Like this, this field goes all the way up to plus a plus plus a million. No way. One, two, three. <laughs> is that what Matt Everson said? No, so, no, sorry. It's plus 100,000. For some reason, whenever you see, see all the zeros like, and, and, and there's no comma, I can never tell. Um, some guys at the bottom of the, uh, the odds board here, Jose Antonio Safa, Santiago de la Fuente, Turk Pettit, Manuel Inman, Jose Cristobal Islas, Mark Hensby, Brett DeWitt, and, and Jonas Blix somehow finds his way on the bottom of the board with like Bo Van Pelton and, and Grayson Murray, the hardcore Republican. This field sucks. 
Like I'm like amazed at how bad this field is. Max, like walk me yeah, through this. I, why? Why is it so bad? Because I, I actually read today it's 2,500 miles away from Louisiana. So it's essentially like having a tournament in – I mean, I guess you wouldn't have it – I mean, not as far as, you know, when they went from Genesis to Honda, you know, from California to Florida. But, I mean, you're looking at, like, if it was in maybe, like, what, Arizona? If, like, the yeah. Phoenix Open and then they went to – you know, then they went to PGA National or wherever. So uh, that could be one reason. But then again, there were a lot of people who were sitting out last week in New Orleans. So – I mean, it's kind of it's kind of sandwiched in between, you know, you had last week and then you have in two weeks, right? It's going to be the Wells Fargo. It's going to be the Byron Nelson uh, right before the PGA. So, uh, you know, there's there's some decent-ish events coming up. So, like, why would anyone really want to go travel to a course that no one's ever played before? You know, I'm sure conditions are going to be wild considering it's, you know, kind of on the water. Uh, from what yeah. I've seen, and it's it's a it's a it's a little bit of a hike. I mean, it's it's not like they're you know going you know right across the border. Like it's it's a it's a hike. Yeah. Well, it, it, the one thing I find interesting though is like, yeah, there's the Wells Fargo, which probably which is probably it's the biggest event until the PGA, um, which everyone's going to be going up up to uh, Potomac and playing there. There's obviously no no doubt about it. Um, it's one of the more famous courses on tour, anyways. But like. The Mexico Open, the, the Byron Nelson, like at Craig Ranch, n- not a huge field usually. It's usually one of those yeah. like watered down fields, and nothing crazy. Guys are getting ramped up for the PGA, but then again, this is the first time. Obviously, the PGA is, is going to be right here in uh Southern Hills and in, in Oklahoma, so it really isn't that far away. Like th- this is the part of the calendar where, outside of like that that little um like clip before the Open, like the John Deere, um the Scottish, and the Barbasol. Like not a lot of guys are playing in these fields, and it's kind of weird because you like there are some guys in this field, like John Rahm, I think is a perfect example. First of all, it's like a vacation week. It's like a vacation week for him. He had off. He had all. He had off last week, so he, he was hanging out with uh, with Keppa the, the the whole week. Now he gets to go basically on a week vacation and just just pummel the field in uh, in Mexico. He gets to go go hang out with the family, but also it's kind of a get right week because he hasn't had that form. He did not play particularly well at Augusta. This is his first start since then. Um, finished 27th and was basically out of contention the entire week from day one. So it's a get, it's sort of a get right week for him. Same thing with the same thing with with someone like Patrick Reed, who has not been particularly good in the last I don't know month and a half or so. Abraham Answers missed four straight cuts for someone who's been wildly consistent has not been able to really get it done. Tony Finau has been uh, underplaying expectations ever since he won at the at the, at the Northern Trust. Has not been playing the same kind of golf that everyone wanted him to do. And it's like Gary Woodland, who's actually been pretty consistent and has been um, somewhere towards that like mid twenties tier for the last I don't know three or four weeks. Uh, clearly, was was much higher up on the board towards the uh, the Arnold Palmer, but like the field here just simply it's a, it's a lot of guys who are mid level players, and the guys at the top are the guys who are looking to kind of get back in the form, mm-hmm. and that's really the best way to kind of describe it. It's basically an alternate field event, I would basically call it, but also. It has the distinction of possibly being a good event because it's a brand new golf course, and you hope that new players will want to come and play it. But I think it's also because of the the variability of it, and also like the course designers, um, like the, uh, the the maintenance staff, they're not making it too easy, but they're also not making it too hard because 
you don't want to have an event that's going to play to like 10 under par uh, in its debut. You're going to want it to play into to, to 20, 20 under or so. So they might be making it almost too easy for some guys to be like, all right, maybe this really isn't the get right week. Like, like this is an event for like Ricky Fowler to go out and try and perform, which mm-hmm. he is not this week, which mm-hmm. makes no sense to me. But at the same time, it's still an event that um, they're hoping to get to kind of get off the ground. Obviously, we've seen some first time events uh, this year already take off with rousing success. And now the Mexico Open just simply simply doesn't really get the hype, which I somewhat understand. But at the same time, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But before we get into some uh, some bets this week, as we are already al- almost an hour into our show, bets are going to be coming up in about probably 10 minutes. But we got to talk about who's hot and who's not coming into this week. It's our, it's our edition of Hoomst is hot and Hoomst is not. Max, let's, let's talk some guys who have been a little off their game this week. I think Tony Finau is, is the best place to start. What's been the deal with Tony Finau the last few weeks? Why has he been so uh, out of shape? What's What's been the the key to Finau's demise uh, over the last few weeks? Has not been able to place top 20 in about four weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's just going through the motions. I feel like you've seen this a lot from Tony Finau throughout his career. I mean, you know, he had that that first win, and then he didn't win again until last August at the Northern Trust, which you and I were both at. So um, I, I feel like that's just kind of that's just kind of his career. I mean, I, I'd have to pull up I, – I should pull up what he's done this year. But, you know, I, I, I last year too, like I remember, you know, I was at the Travelers, and he – I was watching the group with him, Brooks, and uh, Dustin Johnson. And he, you know, Brooks and, and, and DJ were kind of, you know, on their game. Uh, Dustin Johnson at the time was, was the world number two. It was the first week after the U.S. Open that Rom overtook him for world number one. But he looked broken. And then, you know, just two short months later at, at, at the Northern Trust at Liberty National, he came out, you know, he won. Essentially, you know, that first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs is, is essentially equivalent to, to a major championship field, you know, you know on top of it. I mean, that's, you know, 150 of the best golfers in the world from the past year. So, you know, I feel like he, you know, he, Tony Finau, the one thing about him is he's not, I don't think he's ever getting too far in his head. You know, he, he, I think he, he's, you know, he's got his head on straight, you know, the lights on upstairs, he knows what he has to do in order to get back. Right. And, you know, a week like this is, you know, a perfect opportunity for him, I think. Yeah. uh, Just like looking at, looking at the numbers dating all all the way back to the CJ cup uh, back in what what was it? uh, September, October. He placed 45th there, finished 45th in Mayakoba, missed the cut at the Houston. His only top 10 this entire year, and actually only has one top one top 20, top 20 as well, was the shortened field at the Hero World Challenge in seventh uh, in the 20-man field. And then in the gotcha. shortened field at the Century, finished 19th. And since then, has placed 40th, 33rd, 29th, and 35th with three missed cuts kind of wedged all in between. Not, it's not been a good look for a man like Tony Finau. And also Patrick Reed, another guy who has been uh, – he's the kind of guy who – and I always made this comment. He can go out and not hit a golf ball for like four months and all of a sudden win an event. It's just a, it's just one of the things that just kind of works for him. But mm-hmm. even then, it, his recent results have not been uh, not been stellar but, but by any means. Going all the way back to where else but the Butterfield Championship out in Bermuda where he finished second – has had only one top 10 finish, actually one finish, two finishes inside, inside of the top, top 20. Again, like Finau, came third at the Hero World Challenge and 15th at the Century, has finished 55th, 46th, 26th, and 35th with three cuts wedged in between. Basically, 
very similar to, to Finau's game. Patrick Reed has been out of, out of sorts. He's been weird ever since he moved over to uh, PXG, which I think he actually he announced might have been actually at the Bermuda Championship that he uh, switched over to um, PXG. But nothing he's been nothing's been able to figure uh, out his game over the last I don't know five weeks. It's been weird. Yeah, and and kind of contrary to Tony Finau, I feel like Patrick Reed is kind of that guy where you know you don't really know what's going on upstairs. You know, you don't know if it's a mental thing. Ever. You know, you don't know if it's a mental thing or you don't know if it's a physical thing with this game. You know, maybe it, it, it's his clubs. So, you know, Reed, I could kind of see Reed maybe kind of being on the back end of his career. I mean, he got a major championship. He won the Masters. You know, he's a very polarizing figure within the sport. But, you know, nonetheless, you have to win in order to get the stature that Patrick Reed has in his career. So, but, you know, he's getting on, on the on the other side of, of, of 30. And, you know, I, I could see, I mean, I don't want to say that he's never going to win again, but, you know, I could totally see him this week, you know, going out in an interesting course that he's never seen before in Mexico and just not performing. And, and essentially the same thing with Tony Fino too. I think he can go one of two ways. It could be, you know, a disaster or it could go fairly well. And, and, and frankly, like when it comes to our picks in a couple of minutes, I don't have Tony Fino contending. I don't have Patrick Reed contending. I mean, contending is, is, I don't have them as part of my picks is what I mean. But I, you know, because I feel like it can go one of two ways. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that Finau is in or Reed is in for a top five or maybe a top 10. But I think that it would be good if they can walk away with a top 20, something to feel good about. You know, maybe they're saying, all right, I, you know, maybe there was one round where they shot, you know, 74 or something, and that kind of took them out of contention. But they can still leave Mexico moving forward, you know, going into Wells Fargo, going into the PGA. With, with a little bit of confidence in order to get their game right. Any chance you find out soon that Patrick Reed is applying to play in the LAV Golf League? In I mean, your opinion. Uh, see, that's the thing. And I know we talked about that before. You know, there's the report from Bob Harron today that 15 of, of the top, what was it, 35 players in the world? 100. Or top 100. Sorry, that, not 35. So I, yeah, that's another thing. Like, I, I don't, I have no idea what goes on with Patrick Reed. He's an, he's an interesting character. That's great. He's a very, you know, difficult person to figure out. So sort of, sort, I mean, sort of a hardcore nutcase. <laughs> yeah. I, like it wouldn't shock. I mean, it, honestly, like it makes sense for him to go, but you know, also like maybe he's just really devoted to, to you know, to the history of golf and wants to, you know, do the right thing, you know, especially because he is, you know, I'd say polarizing, but there's a lot of people on the other end of the spectrum you know, on how they feel about him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's certainly po- he's certainly polarizing in almost a bad way, I guess you could say. He's kind of a, he's America's sweetheart supervillain, I guess you could kind of uh, describe him as. Speaking of guys who are hot this week, give me a name, couple, a couple of guys that you're looking at this week. Going into Mexico, obviously, there isn't a lot of numbers uh, to discuss um, about Mexico in terms of what we know from course uh, evaluation, but who are some guys who have been pretty hot over the last few weeks or going into this week? I might be looking for a big win down in Mexico. We want to just get into the picks. You want me to give you a couple names here? No, no, just a couple names before 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 we really uh, hammer home the picks here. All right, let me let me pull up the field. I'll try to not get into my picks here, but you know, a couple Don't guys I can it. see doing well. Not part of the picks. What was that? Don't spoil the picks. They're important. I won't spoil the picks. Um, I I like so. I, uh, Tigala, uh, he has become one of my favorite players on tour. 
you know, and I think that maybe not knowing the course might play a little bit to his advantage because he just seems like a guy that just kind of goes out there. He, he, he plays wacky. He does different things. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And, you know, when we saw the Sanderson Farms earlier this year, which was a very weak field, I mean, he finished eighth, but, you know, he had the 54 hole lead. So, you know, we've seen, and then we've seen, you know, the Phoenix Open where that's one of the top fields of the year, not in a, not in a, in a, in a major championship. And he goes out and he almost should have won and just fell short. So uh, he's someone that I really like. Um, Taylor Moore has been playing, you know, I, I like the way he plays. I think that he's definitely someone that could have a good week. Uh, Kramer Hickok, I know I'm a little biased. You know, I was at Travelers. Uh, you know, I saw him lose that eight-hole playoff. Everybody Best name. Was, everybody was 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 rooting for him, chanting Kramer, Kramer. Even though Paris English is a you know pretty cool, pretty likable guy, you know, does nothing wrong for the most part, you know, on and off the course. But you know, he's kind of an interesting guy because like sometimes Kramer, he comes out, he plays really well, and then sometimes he just absolutely lays an egg and doesn't make the cut. So he's someone where, you know, I look at him. Kind of like the way I'm looking at Finau and, and Patrick Reed this week. And I'm saying, all right, this could go oh, one I of two ways. Oh, I think we just lost uh, lost Max. Oh, nope, there I'm he back. is. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, so I, I think that – where was I going? I was going with uh, – Kramer Hickok. Uh, and, and Adam Shank, too. I mean, he nearly won Barracuda last year, which is an alternate event, which is essentially what this week is. So I think he's someone that could that could pull through. I definitely I'm definitely keeping an eye out for him. You've managed to list two of the all name players in one sentence between Adam Shank and uh, Kramer Hickok. Absolutely incredible. One guy who who's actually been really hot lately. I mentioned him earlier, who, who I think is going to play really well this week. Um, and I might be going against what I told you and uh, spoiling the picks, but he is certainly going to show up somewhere in my uh, beer money plays as a late ad. Gary Woodland, despite being the fifth fifth ranked player in the field this week, has been on absolute fire. Finished fifth at the Honda, fifth at the uh, Arnold Palmer, eighth at the Valero. Missed the cut at the Masters, but it's whatever. Everyone doesn't play well, particularly uh, at the Masters. I'm in the top top fifteen in the world. Uh, missed the cut at the Players. Doesn't really play well at the big events, but you put him on a on a your average golf course, and he will probably dominate it. Uh, he, ironically. In his like nine or ten starts this year, um, aside from one event where he finished 39th at the Farmers Insurance, he has either placed top 20 or missed the cut. There's no other deviation permutation. It's just you're either a top 20 player or you're or you're missing the cut. So I think uh coming in for hot form, three three top tens in the last five weeks for Gary Woodland. He'll be on he'll be on my radar we're gonna take our final break when we come back it's the beer money time our best picks coming up right ahead do not go anywhere the getting the whole podcast is sponsored by tomahawk shades the best eyewear in the game tomahawk shades is making sure that when you tee off on hole number one your eyes are well protected from the sun as soon as you hit hole 18 Tomahawk Shades founded by two brothers on Long Island to make sure that you're getting a quality product for an affordable price and not spending an entire two weeks paycheck on one pair of sunglasses and you're looking styling and profiling on the golf course. And say you're at home watching the PGA Tour, they got the blue light plus glasses to protect your eyes from those violent blue lights that come from your TV. Go to TomahawkShades.com right now, 
fill up your cart for the golf season, get the sunglasses, the blue light plus glasses, and anything else you need while you're out on the course so that you look the best and you can live up to the look good, feel good, play good moniker that we live by here in the underground. And when you go to check out, use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for sponsoring the Get in the Hole podcast. Final segment here, Beer Money Time, brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer, Philadelphia's light lager. Grab a Kenny, strap in. Max Schreiber filling in for our friend John Mavelli. He's, he's out this week. Max, it's time to make some picks, win some money, and bring home the bacon. Top 20 of the this week for you at the Mexico Open, which at this point I'm going to call them the uh, avocados from Mexico Open. Hashtag no sponsor, but honestly, sponsor us. I love guac. Who's, who's your top 20 this week? I'm going Lanto and Griffin. Ooh, Lanto. Get, get any, reasons, uh, any reasons why it's a uh, out there name this week? So, uh, you know, we played pretty well uh, in the California stretch earlier this year. Uh, was in contention, you know, top five at the uh, at the American Express, and then played pretty well at Pebble Beach, but you know, ended up finishing uh, T sixteen. He has had a brutal stretch though, which is why I'm sure you might be scratching your head saying, you know, how the hell did you end up picking him? But you know, he's a, I think he's a talented golfer. Uh, one thing we need to talk about with the course, which I'm going to reference a couple times while I make my picks, is it's going to play long. It's it's I read it's about seventy five hundred yards. It's, oh, yeah. it, I, I almost want to call it a bomber's paradise, but I don't really know the layout, so I don't necessarily know if it's a paradise. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, he averages, you know, 300 yards off of the tee. I think this is a perfect get right for him. You know, hasn't played in a couple weeks and, and kind of, I think that this could be an opportunity for him. You know, he is a PGA tour winner, won the, won the Houston open a couple years ago. So, you know, I really like, I really think that he, this is a perfect get right for him. And, you know, I don't necessarily think he's going to win by any means, but, you know, a top 20, and then, you know, we'll see him in contention a couple of times this summer. This is my favorite event um, for, from a betting perspective outside of, like, majors. Uh, obviously, the field isn't good, but it's one of those events that you can certainly find a lot of value super down low on the board. And um, I wore the hat earlier. I'm going to put it back on because I'm going to be bringing home the bacon this week. My top 20 pick, a guy who's, who's currently ranked 491st in the world, has basically fallen off the goddamn cliff fallen into Lazarus's pit and has resurrected like Christ. I'm going with Kevin Chappelle for a top 20 at plus 500 on your usual uh, sports book of choice. A half decade ago, this guy was on a President's Cup team. He was a good player. Injuries, a litany of them, has just fallen off the map, but has finally come back and has finished top 20 in back-to-back performances, uh, a 15th and 18th. Plus 500, some pretty good value here. Kevin Chappelle for a top 20. Remember the name, folks. He will be coming back sometime later. Who's your top 10 pick this week, Max? All right. So uh, I went a little back. You know, I'm an indecisive person. So I went back and forth a lot <laughs> on my top 10 and my top five. But I'm going to go with Carlos Ortiz for my top 10. Uh, you know, I really like the way he played at Mayakoba. He, he ended up finishing runner-up. But it really felt like it It it, it really felt like a, a – uh, losing my train of thought here. 
it felt like you really loved playing in front of the home crowd. And granted, that week there was really no fans except for like the select few that the tournament played. And that was a really strong field too. That was mm -hmm. probably the second strongest field last fall behind the CJ Cup, which another thing, uh, going back to Alonzo Griffin, he played really well that week. So, you know, he's, he's shown that he can, you know, be up there in some strong fields. And obviously this week is not. <laughs> but going back to Carlos Ortiz, you know, Abraham answer, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a good week. I don't necessarily think he's going to miss the cut or anything, but, you know, Ortiz that week and, and keep in mind, he was playing hurt. You know, the following week after my Kobe last year was the Houston Open. He was the defending champ and he had a withdrawal, which was a really tough decision for him because that was, you know, his first opportunity for him to be playing. And, you know, maybe it could have been his only opportunity for him to play an event as a defending champion. So for him to finish runner up, on his home turf and then not go and play Houston and, and be the defending champion up there at Memorial was definitely a, a tough decision for him. But I think that, you know, he hasn't been playing that great this year, but I, I could see him coming out in his home country and with a top 10. Yeah. Carlos Ortiz has not, has not made a cut in four straight weeks. Very interesting pick here. You're going on, you're going with the, uh, the, the, the super low floor, high upside guys. I, I really like it. A little hot take here. I really do think I, I really do think Abraham Answer might very well miss the cup this week. Has been so bad uh, in the last five weeks, and I think the home crowd is going to uh, play to his almost disadvantage. Um, so top ten this week, I'm going with a guy who we haven't seen since the Valero. Didn't play particularly well for about two months. Uh, was one of three guys to break the uh, PGA record for lowest strokes to par in a PGA Tour event at the Century. Obviously. One of the guys, two of the guys are in are in this event. One of them is not. That's Cameron Smith. Uh, and I'm going with the guy who isn't at plus 450. I'm going with Matt Jones for a top 10 this week at plus, wait for this, 700. A really good number here from Matt Jones for the Aussie. He finished runner-up at the Valero, played really well at a very challenging golf course prior to the Masters, Did uh, made the field, was not very um, very significant in Masters play. So, unfortunately, did not, did not really get a chance to uh, – see much of him but the one thing about matt jones it's really interesting and the only the only course comparison that i can really give this course obviously um is mayakoba but also bermuda is a pretty relatively similar course solely on the wind pattern like you said 7500 yards par 72 the fairways are very wide so it is a low-key bomber's paradise but also you're playing most holes into the wind so the power does certainly help matt jones doesn't necessarily have that but as someone who's as someone who played his young career on the Australian Q, Q school circuit, he has a lot of experience playing into the wind, and he plays really well in uh, in non prime condition courses. Obviously, at Kapalua, played pretty well. Was very windy on the only two rounds that he shot super low. So I think Matt Jones is a pretty solid play here for a top 10, 10 this week. I don't think he's gonna have like the the most like sexy line on the planet, but he'll do what he has to do to get things done. Um, this golf course in particular, you want to be able to, to be hit, to hit it long or hit it well enough um, or shape it, uh, shape it well enough in, in order to counteract the wind and also have the hot putter. Obviously he had a hop, he had a pretty hot putter at the Valero. Uh, and we haven't seen him do that um, very often in his career, but I think when he strikes fire, it's pretty clear. He's like, he finds the uh, lightning in the bottle. He did it at the century, did it at the Valero and he'll do it now this week. Who's your top five, Max? All right. So my top five here, and now I think going off of my top 10, saying I was flip-flopping between them, you know, you're kind of now thinking that I made the right decision with my top five. Uh, I'm going to go Gary Woodland, you know, like we talked about, uh, dismissing the players and the Masters where he missed the cut in both. I get it. This is 
neither of those events by not even in the same stratosphere. But he's been playing really well. Obviously, he still hasn't won since the U.S. Open in 2019 at Pebble Beach. Uh, he's he's shown that you know there's still something in his game. He's able to post up good events. I mean, he nearly won you know at Bay Hill, which that course played insane. You know, we remember Roy McIlroy after called a crazy golf. So I mean, and and also I was going to ask you about this. Do you see maybe any comparison? They're not necessarily on the same level, but you know maybe Pebble Beach, this course, you know, kind of kind of windy, you know, I, that kind of obviously, you know, a couple of years ago Woodland played really well there, but you know I think he's posted some really good, some really good results in some pretty good fields, and you know what is he's had right now? I have it up right here. You know he has a, a T5, a T8, and a T21. So you know I think considering all things considered, this week he's going to have a good week. So actually, like in terms of like course comparisons, I think like Maya Koba is like is another great, great Norman design course. We always talk about guys play well on courses designed by a certain person. So I'm always going to bring up like the um, the Fazio designs are always really big for a lot of guys who play really well on those courses. Um, The give me another name, uh, the Pete Dye designs. Guys always play well on those courses. So if you play well on great Norman styles. For the most part, they're all in tropical regions. They're in Florida. They're in Mexico. They're in um, Bermuda. Whatever it happens to be, and so guys kind of fit that fit that mantra. That it's always very windy because it's always coastal. Obviously, they're only they're all, they're always going to play events that, that are on the nicer side of things. Um, but the course is actually really fascinating, and I think for a top ten for a top five this week, I'm inclined to join you on Woodland, but I'm going to actually shake things up a little bit. I'm going with Sebastian Munoz, and this is kind of where where the indecisiveness sort of kicked in. I'm between Munoz and somebody else for my winning pick. And basically whoever I didn't take was going to be the top five uh, at, at this point. But we got to talk here, Sebastian Munoz. It's he's, he, he, he's a investment. The way I kind of look at this, he's plus 600 for a top five. He's a guy who he's been good. Not great. Like the whole year. He's kind of been like a, I don't know, like Maverick McNeely. I guess you can kind of equate him to. Someone who's been like really good the whole year has been finished in the top twenties, somewhere in that somewhere in that range, but simply can't get 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 good enough to like to win to win an event. Um, according to Jason Sobel, he's had uh, all of his results have been between twenty first and 39th in his past half dozen starts. It's it isn't necessarily the consistency the consistency that you want, but some guys like kind of kill for that uh, to be able to to at least have that skill set. So I think a, a good week. He's Venezuelan. He's from he's from the. South American, Central American area. Uh, he's used to these sort of conditions when he did play back in Venezuela and then now um, playing uh, up here in the States. He's from Texas, from Florida. So he has that like coastal area um, expertise. I think a top five here from Munoz is a pretty safe pick. Before we get to that winning pick, give me your gimme. We talked about it uh, coming in. The pick that if you had a gun to your head, had to pick somebody to win an event or, or play somewhere, this is your guy. Who is it? All right, I'm really going out on a limb here. You're going to think I'm crazy for this one. All right, let's hear it. John Rom top 20. I fucking hate you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, See, no, I was so like, it was funny uh, for the listeners. I, I, Steve's texting me. He's like, give me a gimme. I'm like, what do you mean by a gimme? And he explains it to me. And I'm like, well, John Rom top 20. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, if I, have a, if I have a gun to my head, I want to make sure I don't well, die. You, That's where I'm going. You need, you need value on the pick that's the one thing i'll say but 
true. Like, and, and the thing I actually digged up earlier today, I was putting together some odds for work. John Rahm, by the way, is the lowest odds so far this year out of any event, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, of being the betting favorite, you know, plus, of I, I know we use points bet. Uh, so we have my plus 450. I don't know what you got him on, Steve. And then also, every single event this year that John Rahm has played, he has come into the league as the betting favorite, which is, I mean, not that shocking, but it, you know, he still has not won. So, like, you know, when and where is that is that win going to come? I, I still would not be inclined to take it this week, but, you know, I definitely think he's going to, you know, he's either going to have a really bad week or he's going to have a really good week. I feel like if I said that a lot there. If he wins this week, this is a more Mickey Mouse win than the Zurich. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, there, there, there's no way that I could ever be like, like, first of all, for him to win this week is probably at like minus, um, minus infinity. Like, I don't know. If you could find me a book that somewhere has John Rahm not like minus 100,000 to win this week. I, I, again, this is literally like, like picking the Celtics to lose to the Nets in the playoffs th- this week. Like, there's no way. It happens, uh, and I'm so happy that that Ben Simmons will not get his shot um, to appear in a, in a Nets uniform until next year. Shout out to our boy Kieran, who's probably depressed uh, uh, about that. <laughs> I, I, give I will the... say, though, yeah. sorry. So, obviously, that was a little bit of a Mickey Mouse pick. So, I did come up with, with a second gimme here. I'm going to go right. with Chris Kirk, top 20. I, I really liked what I saw earlier in this week, uh, earlier this year, I mean. You know, he had that he had that T seven at the Honda Classic, and then followed that up the following week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. You know, you kind of talked about it; those tropical courses. Uh, obviously, since those, he he's kind of cooled down a little bit. You know, not terrible. You know, he's made some cuts. So, you know, obviously, he you know he's he's kind of coming back from from some off the course issues a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he's really turning a corner with his game, and especially with the field this week, I can definitely see him posting a really, having a really good week. That, that's a really good pick. He he has a great driver. He's, he'll certainly be able to uh, to hit it far, hit it hard. It's going to come down to, to really the putter if he if he can keep it uh, consistent this week. My gimme, uh, not a Mickey Mouse play, but it is a top twenty, just like you. I'm going with Gary Woodland at plus one hundred and fifty. It's a pretty safe pick, very easy pick. Um, it's almost free money. He has he has three top tens in his, in his last six events. Um, I think Jason Sowell put it the best. He said that. When it comes to picking names for events like this, you have to kind of separate the guys who are um, who are playing on like sponsor obligations. They want to get like a PIP rating. They want to get their name out. And then there's guys who like have to play these events because it's either, it's either the only way that they could continue to be on tour or whatnot. Um, Woodland's definitely in the latter. He's cle- he's clearly looking at uh, PIP PIP considerations here this week. He has the skill set to certainly play well. Um, he fits the mold. He fits the mold here pretty good. Also, is um, six on the odds boards, and so we'll set it here uh, on the action network. He said that, that while he still has some time until he um, gets his until he loses the exemptions that he got from the 2019 U.S. Open win, he still has an opportunity here to grow his game and play well and possibly bring it into the PGA and play pretty well. Um, again, Woodland's plus two ten for a top for two ten for a top ten. He's plus one fifty for a top twenty. And he's even better the higher up you go. I think he's a guy who could win this week. Very well might be an outright bet that I place uh, for like five bucks, a little sprinkle. Uh, but Woodland for a top 20 is just easy money at this point. It's one of those things that you just, uh, you look at it and you see a plus money and you're like, I have to take this. So Gary Woodland's my guy here. 
All right, give me the winner, and please tell me it is not John Rom plus four fifty. It is not John Rom, but I'm gonna. I, I guess this is somewhat of a wild card. I'm gonna go Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ, yeah, you know, Cameron Champ. I feel like he either finishes last or he's like in contention on Sunday. There's no like other way. Yeah, there's, he, there's no other deviation there. Yeah, and you know he he's good odds. You know, talk about he's he's what plus five thousand. Um, and I think that he, you know, he's kind of that guy where, you know, he's won three straight years, but like, he kind of just comes out of nowhere and wins. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I will say though, you know, he, he, he didn't play a lot earlier this year. He was dealing with that injury. It seems like he's healthy. He posted top 10 at the, at the masters gets himself a trip back to Augusta for next year. And, you know, I really think that maybe he, you know, he's the type of guy where, you know, he's someone where, like, I'd love to do, like, a profile because I feel like he's a very, you know, he, I think he's really good for the game. He obviously does a lot, you know, for the game and, you know, tries to, you know, increase, you know, the amount of minorities that, you know, play golf and stuff like that. And, you know, he hosts some clinics with Tony Finau. Uh, so, you know, I, I really, you know, I admire him for that. But at the same time, I think he's going to, you know, terms of on the course uh he he's obviously one of the longest drivers on tour we kind of talked about that this is a little bit of a bomber's paradise and you know i think maybe he'll take that that top 20 uh that top 10 excuse me at the masters don't want to sell him short here and come out and you know get that win i i think i think he can do it you know five of the last well actually half of the winners this year on the pga tour have been at odds better than four thousand. tom hoagie luke list Guys in that area who weren't necessarily the highest ranked player in the field, clearly, but managed to come out and thrive. My pick at plus 4,000 to win this week is Aaron Wise. There's only one guy who in the last three years has finished top 10 at both the Bermuda Championship and the Mayakoba Classic, and his name is Aaron Wise. He hits it long off the tee. He puts it really well. He's actually the third best ball striker in the field this week, uh, which is impressive considering uh, John Rahm and Gary Woodland and well, Denver was there, um, but there's still some good names in this field board. Um, so happens to be that Aaron Wise is one of the young guns who uh, who's, who's showing out. Um, hasn't played incredible. He's been kind of on and off. Uh, finished top, finished 21st in his last outing, but has missed the cut uh, in three out of five weeks. Regardless, this is a get-right week for Aaron Wise. He hits a country mile. Uh, we'll certainly be able to play it against the uh, against the win. I've been very bullish on him since he since he came up. Um, out of the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he's got, got a really good skill set. I think Aaron Wise is a pretty good uh, play tonight. Well, this week, tonight. I'm so dumb. Tonight at the... I said it again. Wow. This is embarrassing. This week at the Mexico so Open. I'll, you know what it is? It, it's like nine. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I, I've been up since like 4 in the morning. I'm not not in good shape right now. Anyways, Aaron Wise plus 4,000 is my, my pick this week for the Mexico Open. What's up? Nothing. <laughs> oh folks that's gonna do it all do it all for us here max you know uh another guy named max max scherzer just went hard 10 strikeouts seven innings uh with 10 strikeouts he was nasty today on 101 pitches maybe it's the uh the luck of the the maxes who knows yeah i mean the yankees were off tonight so i can't complain or gloat about anything they did i'll have to wait till tomorrow for that <laughs> oh uh so so tomorrow uh, i'll text you when uh when ikf is the only guy who's uh who's hitting on the team. That's going to do it all for me and Max Schreiber filling in for John Mavelia this week. Just for KB behind the scenes, I'm Stephen McAvoy. That's Max Schreiber. 
We'll see you guys next week as we break down more in the golfing world. This has been the Get in the Hole podcast from Underground Sports Philadelphia. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Hole podcast, a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get in the Hole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Shout out to our sponsors over at Tomahawk Shades and Stateside Vodka for all their support in making underground sports your go-to place for all things sports. They get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.